Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. In this week's show, we discuss the Cricket World Cup and why it's taking so long to find a champion. We celebrate the New Zealand Breakers' victory in the Australian National Basketball League. After a 20-year association with Team New Zealand, skipper Dean Barker decided to leave the America's Cup syndicate. And squash player Joelle King has all but completed her return to the sport after a major injury. The Cricket World Cup has been going a month now and it's still a fortnight before the champion has decided. New Zealand has started well and will finish top of their pool while there have also been a few surprises. Fans have flocked to watch New Zealand play but those games seem to have been few and far between. Radio New Zealand's cricket reporter is Stephen Hewson. And Stephen, the tournament started with a hiss and a roar but just lately it's like we've hit a quiet patch. Well, it certainly has. It's gone into uh, a bit of a lull, hasn't it? Because the Black Caps have, uh, I think, their, their past couple of games have almost had a week between many of them. Um, they had the game against uh, Afghanistan and Napier last weekend. They've got Bangladesh. Uh, the, the match before that, they had quite a laugh as well. In fact, the team even broke up for about three days to, and the players managed to go home. So I think it's a real concern that when you're looking at the length of this tournament, that it can certainly be condensed by at least a, a week or, or 10 days. And I would have thought that, uh, I suppose, the traction that it had, people were talking about it, that's certainly gone into a bit of a, a lull and it seems to have lost a bit of a, a spark. Um, that will presumably kick, up, kick on when, the, when we hit that knockout phase. But, but it's a shame that, it, that it's sort of just gone into a bit of a, a lull. Um, it's not even just the Black Caps, some of the other matches, uh, you know, it, it hasn't grabbed the attention. Well, well, that's right. I mean, we've certainly had a couple of decent results that have grabbed attentions, but, but yeah, there's certainly been quite a gap for, for the other team. So uh, that's certainly what the ICC's got to look at, is to, to the length of the tournament. And I suppose that's part of their argument, maybe, with, about reducing it to 10 teams next time around. But uh, that throws up that, that other issue of, of with teams missing out. But, uh, yeah, there's certainly format and rejigging needs needs to be done. Yeah, um I suppose if we do look at that, uh, the number of associate teams will be reduced for the next World Cup, but the, well, uh, a couple of them have put their uh, foot forward to say, no, it, uh, you know, we, we, we should be there, need to be there for the better of the game. Well, that's exactly. I mean, if the ICC is serious about uh, expanding cricket globally, we've got uh, the next tournament is due to be 10 teams. So uh, those associate teams were at 14 for this tournament. Those associate teams are going to miss out bar, bar one of them. Um, and they've had quite an impact. I mean, they've shown that they are, well, they've generally been beaten still. They're not being whitewashed. They've been, they've had, they've, Afghanistan's had uh, some good results. We've had uh, Bangladesh had that, that win. I mean, I know they're not an associate team, but they've, uh, they've uh, you know, shown that while they're at the, the bottom end of those one-day world rankings, that uh, the big guns, supposedly, the likes of England, haven't even made the knockout phase. 
Uh, yes, interesting. Uh, some other sports. If you don't make the quarterfinals, you then have to qualify for the next uh, World Cup. That would have been embarrassing for England, who you know aren't going to make the, as you say, the knockout phase. Your your thoughts on them? Perhaps why they haven't um, performed? Um, well, I suppose batting has been their, their key problem. Bowling wise, that they weren't the threat that we thought they were going to be. Um, you looked at that bowling lineup: there, Jimmy Anderson, the likes of Stephen uh, Stuart Broad. You would have expected much better things in the conditions that uh, that we had in New Zealand and, and Australia. That it would have uh, they would have had quite an impact on the tournament. But batting wise, they just uh, they just haven't been able to compete. They've looked lost, um, and there's just obviously after their, their first up loss to Australia, they were then thumped by New Zealand. Um, and their confidence was was gone. That was shot. I mean, they had a lot of ructions before this tournament. Alistair Cook was dropped as captain, so internally things weren't weren't happy. And it's been a tough job for Owen Morgan, um, who's who's a talented player, but again, he he didn't fire either at this tournament. A key key part of their batting lineup, and uh, it all just nosedived from from that start. I suppose that whole talk about momentum that obviously a team like the Black Caps have got. Um, the reverse was was the situation for England. Uh, New Zealand, uh, before the tournament started, you talked about how Brendan McCullum needed to fire for them to have success. He, he's pretty much doing that. So how have you thought they've gone? They're finishing top of their pool. Uh, obviously, playing at home has helped as well. Just just generally, your thoughts on them? Yeah, well, I mean, I, it still brings true, especially as we come to that knockout phase. It's going to be Brendan McCullum and Kane, Kane Williamson are going to be the key. Uh Ross Taylor's obviously had a had a rough tournament. He's not got many runs. He needs to needs to come to the party in the, these next few matches. Um, and you look at Grant Elliott batting at five. Well, he hasn't had much of an impact either. Um, and, and then the rest of the batting order at times hasn't actually had much time at the crease. So, uh, I mean, they 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 scrambled past Australia in that one wicket win, and I think that was a ref, more of a reflection of how tough things are going to become that knockout phase. I'm I'm still thinking if they get the semi-finals, they're doing well. Can they get to the final? I think that still might be a bridge too far. Uh, so just, uh, I know we, things are yet to be finalised, but how do you see the, the, the tournament from here um, working its way towards that final? Well, I mean, if everything sort of goes to plan and seedings, we're going to end up seeing New Zealand play the West Indies um, in the in the quarter final, that one in Wellington. That can only sort of be mixed up a bit. We've got the Pakistan-Ireland game to go put in pool play. Now that could, if Ireland can manage to get an upset, that's when things sort of start to... to um, sort of come uh, somewhat uh, entangled uh, and, and Ireland would actually go through if they won that uh, match against Pakistan and it would leave the, the West Indies out and in fact it would then leave New Zealand playing Pakistan in the quarterfinals. So, but, but assuming Pakistan get past Ireland, New Zealand would end up playing the West Indies, Australia will play Pakistan in their quarter, Sri Lanka, South Africa should be quarterfinal number three and Bangladesh, India um, quarterfinal number four. And then uh, the winner of quarterfinal one which is likely to be, well, well, if that was New Zealand, they'd end up playing uh, either Sri Lanka or South Africa in the in the semi-final. Quarter-final two, the winner of that, well, that's Australia-Pakistan, assuming Australia went through, they'd end up playing that winner of uh, Bangladesh-India, which you'd assume would be uh, be India. And so that would be your, your semi-finals, New, De- New Zealand against uh, South Africa or Sri Lanka. I'm not completely sure of how that might, might unfold, given the way that Sri Lanka seem to have kicked on in this tournament. South Africa, they seem to have their, their World Cup wobbles. And, uh, like I said, uh, Australia against India and that, that other one. Thanks, Stephen. We'll leave it there and we'll get you back for your finals picks. This is Extra Time with Barry Guy. The former Team New Zealand skipper Dean Barker this week decided to leave the America's Cup syndicate, rejecting the offer of a new position following a restructure of the team. Team New Zealand confirmed Barker decided not to accept the position of performance manager offered to him.
Last week, Barker signed with the Russian team Nika to compete in this year's RC44 series, which starts in Malta at the end of the month. Team New Zealand said they also carried out an investigation in the leaking of the news that Barker was being dropped as skipper late last month, and the confident managing director Grant Dalton wasn't responsible for the leak. Barker is angry about what has taken place, despite the team saying all matters between the parties have been resolved satisfactorily. I think it's just an attempt to rewrite history. You know, I, I stand by everything that I've said in the past. And that you've been treated appallingly. Yeah, and I, and I just I have to be honest and say I, I, I don't, as it says in the statement, I, you know, I, I don't think, well, I certainly am not disappointed with the way the media's handled it. They say, though, and Grant Dalton said this quite clearly, that they'd been in discussions with you for months about a coaching role. That shouldn't have been any surprise to you. I don't really want to uh, go back through all the, the, the details or the history, but I made it very clear back in November that wasn't interested in a non-sailing role, and so that was a surprise. You're simply receiving standard notice of three months' salary. There's no settlement payout. So I guess that shows you at least hadn't been misled or, or promised something that didn't happen. Otherwise, surely you'd have a case for some kind of settlement, some kind of compensation. You know, the details of the settlement agreement are, uh, are confidential, so I can't really make any comment on that. But They're saying there's no settlement payment. This is simply standard notice of three months' salary. Is that right or wrong? No, that's correct. Yep, no, that is a correct statement. So in that sense, you aren't able to have a legal go at them saying you promised me something that you then reneged on. Yeah, there, there's certainly uh, all sorts of options that were sitting there, but I wanted to move on. It was clear that, that they'd made their decision, and the last thing I'd, I'd wanted to do was get into any sort of messy uh, um, dispute. Did you seriously think about it, though, at least at one stage? I just want to get on and, uh, and, and focus on you know, the, the next thing now, so I don't really want to, um, to look back. It's, you know, it's better to, to go our own ways. There is going to be a team farewell for you, though. Are you going to go to that? <laughs> I've had lots of fantastic messages from, uh, from some of the team members. Yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll still have a lot of contact with them, but I'm going to go and do a, um, a sailing event you know, in about 10 days' time, two weeks' time, and yeah, be a chance to sort of clear my head and then think about what happens next. OK, so the team farewell in a few days' time, that's the quote from the media release from Team New Zealand. Is that something that you've scheduled? Are you going to go to that? No, there's nothing that um, I'm aware of in the next few days, no. Would you go to a team farewell anyway? Oh, I think it would have to be in the, in the right sort of circumstance. I mean, right now, certainly, yeah, it's not something I'd like to, like to be doing, no. Could you describe your relationship now with Grant Dalton? Look, you know, I'm not really prepared to comment on uh, personalities or personality issues. Team New Zealand says that he is absolutely, he was not the source of the leaks, absolutely not, neither he, any member of management or any member of the board. Do you accept that? I'm just not prepared to make comment on that. You know, like I said, um, there's, there's a lot in the statement um, that they released today which I I think it's just an attempt to rewrite history. What I would, would say is that I agree with the first sentence and the last sentence of the statement. Would you like to compete in the next America's Cup Absolutely. with another team? You know, I, I, love to, I love to race. Uh, I love to compete. Uh, I still feel I have a huge amount of value, which I can add um, in the sailing environment. It's too early to, to really be able to say exactly what I want to do next. But have you had an offer yet? No, I haven't, no. no and I haven't actively uh, been out looking for one either. I just... Um, I just need some time. You know, now we only reached agreement on Friday. So, uh, yeah, so that's still very uh, new. And, uh, yeah, 
it's now nice to be able to focus on the future. And that could include the next America's Cup with another team? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. You know, um, it's been made clear to me that you know the decision was made by um, Team New Zealand. They didn't want me in a uh, sailing role. And while I'm incredibly disappointed, I still uh, want to keep sailing. But not necessarily at the helm. Well, the thing is we're well into the next um, cycle of racing and, and most of the teams now have been up and running and functioning for some cases sort of 18 months or so. So it's difficult to just jump into a, another team and expect you know, to step into a, a senior role. So yeah, I'd have to um, just see what, what opportunities there are. You'd uh, be happy with any sailing role that's not a coaching role. As long as it's hands-on, you're doing something on that boat, that would be okay. I'd, I'd love to be able to continue to sail and if there's an opportunity to do that then um, yeah, I'd certainly look at it. It seems amazing then that Team New Zealand if they couldn't put you back at the helm, couldn't come up with something else, that would mean that you still were sailing. Was that ever discussed or were you not interested? It had to be at the helm or nothing? No, I've never once said that I have to be the, the helmsman or you know, that I had to be steering the boat in 2017. I've never once said, you know, it's always been about putting the best possible sailing squad together so I was never offered a sailing role when, uh, and, and when all the restructuring supposedly was going on that when I, I finally found out um, yeah it was um, it was made clear to me then that, that the, there was no sailing role Would you like to sail for Oracle? <laughs> yeah it would, uh, it's certainly going to feel a bit weird if I end up um, sailing on a, on a boat against Team New Zealand that's for sure yeah, unfortunately there's not that many uh, not that, that many teams out there so um the options are reasonably limited, but have you got um, a preference? Would it be the Brits, the French? The s- <laughs> well, the I'm, Swedes. Sure uh, I'm sure there's some pluses and minuses for all teams. Would it be great though to be back working with Russell Coots? No, oh, I've got a huge respect for what he's done. He's you know certainly been a uh... and on a boat with Jimmy Spittle, really. <laughs> well, that might get a bit uh, that might get a bit tough, but we'll see. You know, see where it all it all lands. That's Dean Barker talking with Checkpoint's Mary Wilson. And you're listening to Extra Time. The Breakers remain the dominant team in the Australian National Basketball League after claiming their fourth title in the last five years. The Breakers completed a sweep of the Ken's Taipans with a thrilling last-second victory in Game 2 in Auckland. Alex Coogan-Reeves put this report together after the game. What can they get? Can they get a clean look? Beckway for the win! With the scores tied and 1.2 seconds left in the game, no one expected the Breakers coach Gene Vickerman to go to his import centre, Akena Ibikwe, to break the deadlock. However, his faith in the Nigerian international paid off as he hit the shot that gave the club its fourth championship and Vickerman's first since taking over as head coach two seasons ago. The play sparked celebrations lasting long into the night and has vindicated Vickerman's decision to bring a big way to the club, despite the 29-year-old's troubles with injuries the previous year. A lot of people thought we would have went a different direction. You, know, you reflect on when we recruited him and he made a phone call to me to say, I'm not injured, take me, trust me, I'll, I'll be good for you. And um, you know, that phone call he made was, was you know, pretty special. Ibukwe also took a risk in joining the club and admits he didn't know what to expect when he arrived in Auckland from his home in California. I knew about New Zealand, I just didn't know exactly where it was at on the, on, on the globe. <laughs> but um, I mean, I think I, I made a great, great decision and uh, 
I thank Dean for giving me a chance to come out here and to showcase my talents and uh, be a part of a good organization, a championship organization. And uh, wow, it's, <laughs> so, I'm overwhelmed right now, man. <laughs> it's crazy right now. While Abekwe will receive many of the plaudits for his game winner, it was the returning import Cedric Jackson who ran the show for the Breakers, winning the finals MVP award as he averaged 19 points, five assists, and seven rebounds over the two games. Jackson says this win is just as special as the other two championships he was involved in before leaving the club for a disappointing stint in Europe. Just always wanted to come back and uh, just try to make great things happen. And we set a goal for ourselves, all this chemistry, you know, coming together. You know, you know what, we're a great team. Like, we can actually go get this championship. We need to bring it back. And we all believe and uh, that's what happened. The club now faces the challenge of trying to bring back its squad for next season with eight of the top ten players off contract. Jackson's locked in for next season, but the assistant coach, Paul Hanares, says they're keen to bring Abekwe back for another year. That's going to be the tough part, is keeping this group together. It always is from year to year, but you know, for now we'll just enjoy this moment. Uh, we'll let him enjoy it. Um, you know, he really wanted his photo up at Atlas Place, you know, looking at all these championship photos um, on the walls, and he's pretty happy about that. Abekwe says he'd love to come back, and the club's set to begin negotiations with its off-contract players in the coming months. Alex Coogan-Reeves with that report. The Breakers coach Dean Vickerman spoke with Guy and Espiner the next morning. Yeah, absolutely thrilled. Um, you know, amazing atmosphere, you know, amazing finish. Um, you, you, know, you couldn't ask for a better script. And I guess you personally feel um, quite vindicated, do you, for getting a backway into the team despite those uh, the talk of, of injuries? You've backed him and it's paid off. Yeah, well, he backed himself. Um, you know, and making that phone call to me when we'd pretty much passed on him with his agent, and uh, you know, for him to pick up the phone and and really trust, you know, his body and his abilities, and you know, he played in great leagues around the world. Um, you know, we we're very fortunate to get their quality player. And the challenge now, it, keeping the team together, are you worried that you might uh, lose some of these key players? Yeah, I uh, haven't got to a point of worrying yet. We haven't got to. You know, that stage where we've, we've put contract offers out there, um, you know, we need to do that in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, with free agency two, two weeks away and uh, you really want to lock up, um, you know, the local players first and then um, then we'll, you know, look at the import situation after that. So f- this is, four, what, four titles in, in five years. How does this compare with those other achievements? Yeah, I think, you know, the first one, you know, against Cairns at the North Shore Event Centre, that one's always going to be, you know, really special to, to win that first one. But, you know, for me, this one felt like the first one again, um, you know, in a different role from assistant coach to head coach. And, um, you know, and again, the manner that we won it and how we won it, um, you know, it was a grind of a game. And, you know, there's so, so many big plays and, you know, happy for Micka to make his free throws down the stretch and, you know, really happy for Akene to, to get that look and, and, and make it in, you know, a little bit of a, uh, you know, a dream as a basketball player to, to put yourself in that situation and make it. How important is the support uh, a local game like that? Oh, the support was amazing. Um, you know, just... It was loud. They were into it the whole game. Um, and then, you know, it's going to be replayed a lot, that last shot, and then see the crowd's reaction. And, uh, you know, the support after the game was it was awesome. What was your own feeling? It was pretty pretty dramatic end, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you kind of always don't know what to do in those situations. And, you know, I, I put my hands up and kind of walked around the court for a little bit. You know, I knew 
everybody was going to run to a Ken A, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll pick my moments to go and find him and, and let him celebrate with the team first. And um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of great players in that game. You know, I thought Thomas Abercrombie really stepped up. You know, his last this final series. Um, and as a group, you know, we'll, to sweep the, the playoff series was, was, you know, just something I'll always remember. The Breakers coach, Dean Vickerman. The Phoenix take on the top-of-the-table Perth glory in their A-League football match this weekend, which could result with the Wellington side on top of the standings by the end of the round. The Phoenix are coming off a 2-0 victory over Adelaide, which coach Ernie Merrick says took a toll on his side. I wasn't overly happy the way we played against Adelaide. Uh, we didn't really get going till well into the second half, but once we started playing football and scored a goal, the attitude and mindset of scoring another one and then another one was terrific. So we scored two, we probably could have scored four. But fortunately, our defence from from the start of the game were right on song, and so we gave nothing away, so we were always, we were always in the game. And Durante in and uh, Sigmund are in career best form, so it's Moss, and in front of them, down the middle there, we've got Albert Riera, and thanks to those players and our full-backs who can also attack, we were always in the game, I just felt midfield and up front, we weren't playing our best football. Um, after the game, a lot of the boys felt uh, really tired and sore, and tightness and aches are a precursor to a major tear or joint injury, so... Um, We've really spent up until today on recovery. In fact, this is the first training session for the vast majority of the starting 11. And up until now, it's been uh, in the pool, swimming pool, in hydrotherapy, massage, stretching, physio treatment and light exercise in the gym. And even today was our first training session and there's still four key players unable to take part Nathan Burns, uh, Michael Boxall, Alex Rodriguez, um, Ben Sigmund. So there's about four, maybe five players still couldn't take part. So at the moment we're thinking about taking uh, an, an extended squad over to Perth, given that we're going over two days earlier and we'll have a training session over there. Um, on Ben Sigmund, he did a fitness test today and he came out of it, through it quite well, but I don't know if he's got 90 minutes in or not. Um, but when they were in the pool yesterday, when I said I might rest four or five of them, all of a sudden everyone felt great. So, so um, I've got I've, I've got a bit of a dilemma as, as to who to take and who not to take, but there, there are some positive. McGlinchey, who's... McGlinchey, who was really sore and tight after the game, he's come up really well. Um, we've got Manny Musket back. Uh, Louis Fenton just keeps on keeping on. Durante had a calf injury. He feels great. So there's a lot of positives as well. You have confidence, obviously, though, in your, in your squad, whoever you do take. Yes, I do have a lot of confidence in the squad because we, we, we haven't been caught out like last year. We've got good depth. Uh, a lot of the boys have had really good experience. They've had the opportunity to play football at reserve level in the ASB competition. Everyone's pretty well match fit. There's a real buzz that they're pretty keen to get out there. And uh, so I, I, th- I think whoever we, we, we finish up taking, whoever starts, we, we're definitely in with that attitude. We want to win. It's not a patch-up team. It'll be a good team that will take over there. And there's no excuses for not playing attacking football better than we played against Adelaide. This this is a good opportunity. This near the end of the season to knock them over. Uh, Show you know to send a message. 
I think that um, if you look at matches one game at a time, I, I think I don't I don't think you're doing yourself any justice for a team. I think it's over the longer term. It's about performing consistently and. Uh, it's about playing the, 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 the teams that are near the top of the league and, and beating them away from home and showing that you're willing to at least try to do that and not go over there with the mentality of oh, we've got less players in the team so let's play more defensively and let's even get a draw. So it's a message from that perspective that wherever we play we want to have that mindset. It's away from home but yeah we're in to win and, in it to win it, and that's why I was particularly impressed with the victory game. Even though we went behind twice, we finished up winning the match. That's the Phoenix football coach, Ernie Merrick. The New Zealand squash number one, Joelle King, has been seeded 11th for the British Open in May, her comeback tour event after a serious injury. King, a former world number four, ruptured her Achilles tendon playing in the national championship final in August. The 26-year-old intends to play in some men's tournaments as a part of her build-up to the British Open. Joe Porter caught up with King to talk about her comeback from her first serious injury. You know, it's funny, like, I've never had an injury, um, let alone a major injury before this, and, and I used to hear athletes say, um, you know, pretty cliche things, like it's it's the best thing that happened to them, it's been a blessing in disguise, and, and now I, I feel like I'm one of those people. Um, I guess it's it's been, it was frustrating to do it um, at the time, but now when I look back, it's, it's been a real positive um, thing for me. It's it's freshened me up. Um, like you said, that desire um, is is burning very very strong. And um, you know, even even just watching the tournaments and stuff being played out, I, I feel so excited and and so lucky to to be able to do what I do. Um, so I think it's just given me a really fresh perspective and. It's it's made me really appreciate and and look at um, you know change trainings and and doing things in, in quite a different way. But um, I think it's all really positive stuff. Are you confident that you'll be able to reach the levels of success you had attained before the injury, and your body will still be able to do the things that you were able to before you got hurt? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, um, I'm already showing in my training um, that that I'm getting right back to near where I was. It's it's. I guess a matter um, of you know each week, each day, it gets a little bit stronger, and um, I'm able to do something I couldn't do yesterday. I'm able to do um, you know the second time, the second time around. So um, it's it's all really really positive. Um, you know the the number one Achilles, the surgery is healed very well. Um, I'm regaining full strength in there and. Yeah, I'm back on court playing matches, so um, I guess what more could you ask for? And you're throwing yourself in the deep end, taking on some of the men's tournaments. How are you expecting to go there, and how different is it playing against men than women? Yeah, it's it's really different. I mean, just in general, guys um, have the physicality. They, they're stronger, you know, faster. Um, so it really sharpens you up to play. Um, against the women who are probably they, the the women's game is probably a little bit more finesse, um, a little bit more strategy. Um, so yeah, it's it's I mean it's great, and I'm very lucky that in New Zealand we have such a strong um, men's and women's tour that I'm able to compete in. Um, but yeah, I guess it's more a measure of if I know I'm back playing and able to compete against the guys I was. Um, before I got injured, then I know I'm on the right page. So, yeah, that's that's the main thing for me. 
Is there any lingering pain or after a, a hard match, do you feel any uh, soreness in the injury or is it sort of back to 100%? Yeah, there's, there's definitely no soreness. Um, there's still a couple of um, little minor movements that I'm probably not as strong on as, as what I used to be. But um, like I say, each each day, each week, it seems to be retraining and um, coming back to somewhere near the strength it was. So... Yeah, it's it's really cool that I don't have any pain, but um, I guess that that has been part of my rehab as well, is making sure that I ice and and rub it every night. Um, and and you know I've got into a routine of doing it pretty much after most trainings and things. So that's going to be an ongoing um, thing. And and if that's what it takes to keep my my colleagues and my body feeling fresh, then that's what it takes. So yeah, I, I've learned how to look after it pretty well. And you're happy with the eleventh uh, seating at the British Open? Yeah, I mean, it's, it could have been a lot worse. I, you know, we're pretty lucky. We have a pegged ranking system, which means you come back um, seven plus wherever you left off. And, and like you say, I'm number 11. So it's, you know, it's it's probably a pretty true ranking at the moment because um, it's going to take a little bit of adjusting to come back. But um, I'm, I'm happy to just be back in the main drawer and, um, you know, being the 11th seed, it means I won't face one of the top um, top 16 players straight away so I'm giving myself every chance And what are your goals for the British Open and I guess the rest of, of 2015 How where are you looking to sort of be by the end of the year? You know I, I really um, one of my goals has been to hopefully be back in the top 10 by the end of 2015 um, our se- the British Open is the last of the season and then come back to New Zealand, play the New Zealand season and in August it all kicks off internationally again so um, you know, top 10 um, is is a very um, top-of-the-list goal for me by the end of 2015, and we'll just see where I end up. And I guess having that enforced break, have you found that it has perhaps you know, enhanced other aspects of your, your physicality or your game? Oh, for sure. Um, my upper body strength, obviously, for the first couple of months, that's all I could do, um, swim with my upper body and, and do things in the gym with my upper body. So that's definitely improved. Um, I think I'm I'm hitting the ball really. I, I mean, I was talking with my coach. We think, you know, even possibly better than what I was. I guess I've had a lot of time to sort of break things down and, and work, um, you know, pretty in-depth on technical aspects of my game because I can't move as much. Um, and, yeah, I guess just being able to sit back and watch from a different perspective, um, watch the girls, what pick up on things, um, I've definitely got a few tactics that, that I'm going to have um, for the girls that I'm going to be coming up against. So, yeah, I, I think um, there's definitely been quite a few improvements and, and I guess just that freshness and excitement again um, is a huge plus because I think without even knowing sometimes you can just get a bit stale and, you know, just get off a flight, play a tournament, get back on the plane, fly to the next one and, and before you know it, you're just like on a roller coaster just going round and round. So... Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a pretty exciting um, to see what to see what comes of me in the next few years, and, and um, um, you know I truly believe that the best of me is yet to come. Joel King speaking to Joe Porter, and that's extra time for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Thanks for listening. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? 
Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.